0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Europe podcast. Today we got Gary Proxma. And what are you doing? Well, we're gonna sample some homebrew
1: beers that we had uh, made over Christmas holiday and recently, uh, you know, pretty much brewing in our basement, making some good beers and sampling them tonight.
0: Okay, cool. What? So, which one did you decide we're gonna do first? Well, we uh, we just got this this
1: one's hot off the press, so to speak. This is our Scottish Ale. So, if anybody's familiar with cold smoke uh, cold smoke ale out of Missoula from Kettle House, it's it's. Along the same lines as that. So we pushed the alcohol percentage up a little bit, turned it into about a 7.25% alcohol by volume. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a pretty good beer. It's got some really good tones to it. We, we used a little bit of adjunct in there with some brown sugar to kind of give it a little bit of sweetness on the front end. And we're about to try it and see how well it came out. Yeah, how do you push that alcohol up? Well, it all comes down to the grains you use and and the different pieces. You know, it, the funny thing about home brewing and what I've learned is it's 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 pretty simple in its purest form. You can homebrew and you can get these homebrew kits and make some great beers. But if you want to really dive into the science of it and get into the, the biology and the chemistry of it, you can really create some exceptional beers. Really to the the average taster who's tasting beers. I mean it's really negligible what you can taste and what you like. And, yeah. and it all comes down to personal preference too. So you know we, we used a lot of um a lot of good grains and different malts in here to kind of give it a little bit more caramel flavor into it, and then finished it off with a nice Scottish yeast to, to Give it that flavor, and I don't know if you can see it in the light, but there's a little yeast bed on the bottom of that bottle, which is okay. very indicative of a homebrew. Um, if you ever poured one, you know not to pour the bottom out, unless, unless you're curing a hangover the next day. It's rich <laughs> in vitamin B12 and could help you out.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So where do you get all these bottles and stuff?
1: You know, we've got a we've got a pretty good assortment of them. People have been giving them to us over the course of time, some old grelch bottles, people who drink them and just give us the bottles. We fill them and give them some beer back. We bought some from people in some different places. So we've got a pretty good supply of them. Um, never got into the the kegging yet because I, for me I, I like sharing our sharing our beer that mm-hmm. we make, and it's really hard when you keg it because then people have to come over to your house. You can fill up a little canister and bring it over. You know, we, we bottle everything we have and we share it with, you know, whoever wants to try our beers, we're happy to share them with.
0: And then, like, how many of the Scottish ones
1: did you make? So we we pulled almost five and a half gallons out. So we didn't count the bottles. We made a quite a few 750 milliliters, the bigger bottles and okay. um, some of the smaller 500 milliliters. We probably, maybe somewhere around 30 bottles, maybe more, that we okay. pulled out of there.
0: Are you- Try. All right, I'm gonna test
1: this bad boy. Should I pop this open? Should we should probably be able to hear this pretty well. (laughs) There goes. There we go. That's a crack. And let me see your glass. You can see the. uh, You can see the nice steam coming off the top of that. Let's see what kind of head we got here. That looks like a beer.
0: Yeah, it does. There we go. Thank you, sir. There you go. And it has to be a darker bottle, right? Like you yeah, can use
1: yeah the light, the light, light, and temperature really affect the quality of the beer. So I mean, if you're storing beer and aging beer in bottles, you definitely want it in the darker colors okay. um, because the the light really has an effect on on the, the quality of the beer over time.
0: Now the brown versus the green does that have any effect, or just too no. small to even?
1: I think I think Rolsch really kind of focused on the green bottles when they marketed mm-hmm. their stuff, and that's what you see Grolsch usually serve in the, their green bottles. But the browns are usually pretty easy to come by. We just have a lot of these green ones because we have a lot of people that like the Grolsch, and they just give us their bottles when they're done.
0: The Grolsch is really good with, like, any Italian meal. It is. It really yeah. is.
1: We, we really enjoy that, and, you know, we drink a lot of the Grolsch styles. And um, it, and it, it's fun, too, because we, what we'll do is we'll crack them open, drink them, and start making a beer. All right, here, you go. You're the first one to taste this. So you're gonna have to give us your what you think of this Scottish ale. I think it's pretty good. It's
0: like a coffee flavor. It like does a have a little sharper dark Guinness.
1: Yep. So it does have some. Um, so it does have some dark chocolate coffee um, um, grains and malts in there. So it's really small amount. So what they do, the different types of grains adds different flavor profiles. So they'll roast malts. So you'll get. You'll get a two row barley, uh, a lighter body one like a Pilsner. It's Mm -hmm. barely roasted, but you can get some really dark ones when you get into stouts. They'll make those, they'll roast those quite a while, make them turn almost black. And then when you put them in there, they'll get some bitterness, some coffee flavors into them. You'll get some chocolate flavors out of those. But in this beer in particular, we use a a couple of different kinds of of grains in there Mm -hmm. just to add a little bit of that sharpness flavor and a little bit of darkness to it. So I think the color came out pretty good. It's a little red. Almost brownish for good Scottish ale. Um, it's a little dry on the back end, which is uh, you know almost more along the lines of a wee heavy than a, than a Scottish ale. But I think all in all, it came out pretty good.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it tastes uh, definitely better than the Guinness you'd buy. You know, <laughs> just like that extra sharpness does. Yeah. Does uh give it a little kick. It has a little kick, yeah, and you can taste, I mean, it does have a couple
1: of different layers to it. So if you drink through it, you can almost, you know, the different flavor profiles in your tongue, you can get mm-hmm. the sweetness of the brown sugar, a little bit of the caramel flavors from um, some of the roasted malts we use, and then that little bite of the, the darker malts we use in the end. So it's, it's got a it kind of chases
0: your tongue, and, and it goes down the back of your throat and finishes pretty clean. So with, with the Scottish yeast, like... I mean, obviously, it's probably made in Scotland. But what uh, I don't really know much about yeast at all. Like, I was vegan for seven years. We used to put <laughs> nutritional yeast on everything. Oh, sure. But yeah. other than that, I yeah, yeast yeast for me is is. I, I don't know too much
1: about yeast. Yeah. All I know about yeast is from what I've read, and that's where that's where it comes down to. You know, you can take home brewing to you know whatever level you want. You can take it to the science level, or you can take it to the, its its simplest form and make some really good beer. When it comes down to yeast, what I recommend to people, what I what I've always done is I've read up on the type of beer that I'm making, find out the yeast strains that will give me the flavor profiles that I'm looking for. So different different yeasts ferment at different temperatures. Okay. Um, You've got an ale yeast, which is what they call a, a top fermenter, so a ferment on the top, higher temperatures, usually sixty, mid-60s, low-70s on a temperature range, and that's going to give you your flavor profiles. If the temperature drops a little bit, goes up a little bit, it's going to affect the flavor, but it's really, at the end of the day, it's still going to be a good beer. When you get into the lager yeast in um, the multiple stages of your fermentation, you're pitching that yeast, you're fermenting it at one temperature, then you're crashing it, you're putting it in a cold chamber into a refrigerator someplace cold and then fermenting it and, and lagering it for you know, how long the recipe calls for. So some of call for two months, three months, four months. You get an Oktoberfest, you know, they, the the Marzins, you know, the, the Germans would brew that beer in March and then it'd be ready by October because that's the longevity and that's how long it takes to condition that beer to its specific profile.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I like the whole getting ready for the holiday. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, that, and that's
1: it. And that's, I think, for me, different types of beers have uh, different... Um, different ways to interact with me. So I I, I love... Chasing beers um, by the season. So mm-hmm. right now I'm really into the holiday beers, the heavier beers, the stouts, you know stuff that's really full flavored, really heavy. And as I get into the spring and summer, I'm, I'm I'm tailing off, getting into the lighter beers and drinking the pilsners and the hefeweizens, and you know working outside, just lighter, crisper beers. And, it, and it's really interesting to taste the different profiles um, and really get into those tastes and, and find out which ones you like at different types of year, different times of the year year
0: yeah I I mean I've pissed off the uh, the homebrew community quite a few times <laughs> with saying like you know Utah doesn't have any Christmas beers or Halloween beers and that's true in the sense that if you're tr- going to like the state store right the state store doesn't have as much of a variety as the liquor store. A quarter mile away from my house in California did.
1: You're absolutely right. And you have to find those. You have to chase them. You have to look for the right places. I mean, there's there's a lot of really good breweries out there. I mean, hands down, if I had to chase after some, I my first stop, hands down, to find a good seasonal beer, I, I'd always go to Epic first. Because they're, okay. they're making some incredible beers, some really good sours, really good Stouts in the winter time. One of th- one of my favorite things to do over there. They've got the Big Bad Baptist, uh-huh. and they they you re- they release them. And if you get into a cycle of them, they're really interesting because you buy two of them, and you s- you drink one and you save one to the following year. You get into that cycle, then you can see how the beer ages over time. Okay, this the 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 one you drink immediately is going to be a lot more bitter, a lot more coffee flavored, and then if it ages as it ages you're drinking it the next year with the new one, now you got two and you taste them side by side. The new one that you buy is going to have that bitter taste to it, but the one you kept all year is going to bring out more of the chocolate tones, a little bit more sweeter. So to be your side by side that you've aged over a course of a year is going to give you a totally different flavor to it.
0: Now Epic, I always whenever I go to Winco, I buy myself one of those uh, Utah IPAs, mm-hmm. it's just the Epic with the green label on right, there. Yep. That's probably my favorite beer I can get at a grocery store here. Yeah,
1: it's it's a pretty good grocery store beer. You know, pushing five percent now. It, it's it's a really good one, and I'm 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 thrilled that you can get five percent beer. I mean. Was it two years ago when you just go in there yeah. and you can only get Budweiser? I, I'm happy that I can walk into a grocery store now and buy a Sam Adams Boston lager. I mean, yeah. for, for me, that, that's my Coors Light. That's my cheap beer. That's,
0: well, this Mississippi Mud, I mean, that's one of my all time favorites. Yeah, it's really good. And when I was here last time, I quit drinking for the four years that I was here. On just purpose? because. Yeah, like I was, you know, I was drinking when I was in California, I got here, and that 3.2 or whatever, it just, like, it's not... Finished or something, it made my stomach feel like crap. I mean, you get bloated and, and yeah. gassy.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just way. I was the same way. I mean, I, I I never bought anything from the grocery store unless you know if I knew a bunch of people were coming over and they liked all different <clears> kinds, <throat> I'd go buy you know a bunch of eighteen packs of you know Tecate or Coors Light or whatever people would like. But usually it's it, I'm either going to the liquor store, or going to the back aisle where they keep their glass bottles, or yeah. I'm, or I'm going to a brewery and finding some really good brews and talking to the people there and learning about you know the different different types of beers they made and, and finding what's what's good and what's on the shelf
0: well that was always my problem is like you know i did not like drinking the grocery store beer i would always drink grocery store beer before i moved here mm-hmm. i was not going to go and buy my beers individually like if you go to the state store you buy one <laughs> three mickey's <laughs> grenade yeah, it's like a dollar for yeah. one grenade. I can buy an entire six-pack of that for three dollars. Like, but but what they do, what they
1: do have, you know, a, a, a good little secret they do have is they have an auction every year. Um,
0: so Ooh, getting into some good stuff. So
1: if you get on their website, you can register, and I think this year's already over but you can get some of the some of the stuff that sells out in the street for 1200 bucks like the Pappy Van Winkle's of the world and stuff uh-huh. you get them here for like 70 80 bucks because they're Utah's held by their own laws and they can't sell them for more than you know them more than what they're able to so they auction them off so you get in the lottery system you you win the lottery and then you can walk into a pappy van winkles for you know a quarter of what you could buy it out in the street for
0: yeah we're gonna have to talk about that off air it's
1: it's pretty interesting so there's a lot of there's a lot of different loopholes here that you can fall into and learn about
0: i thought you just had to drive to colorado and fill <laughs> your trunk myself bootleggers yeah well the best
1: thing to do if you got kids to do it with kids because if they pull you over they're not gonna yeah. they're not gonna, they're gonna strap a bootlegging uh fine on you. I would
0: hope not. Well, that's that's even another thing, like you know, coming from California to uh, Utah, even the police here I used to get pulled over twice a year mm-hmm. every year, my entire life. I mean, you'd, they'd run your name for warrants. If your car broke down on the side of the road in L.A. County, they had it towed. You had to spend $800 to get it out of impound. <laughs> I've seen the police here Changing people's tires mm-hmm. on the side of the road—I've seen that three times. Yeah, it's—it's it's that a, is crazy. It's to me. a different world here. Yeah, than this.
1: Um, yeah, you get you get outside of Utah. It, it, it has its charm here, and I've I've fallen in love with it over the, set, the last seven years. I think I think the only challenge that I've ever had, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of homebrewers here have it too, is just finding good beers. And yeah, you know, I, I've only been here for seven years, but some of these some of these home have been doing it for a long time. You know their 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 craft their their recipes have probably stemmed out of frustration of not being able to get the beers that they wanted, and that's that's where I that's where I start brewing my own beers. Is like coming here, it's like I can't get my cold smoke here. I can't get a good Scottish ale that I'm looking for the the this Christmas ale that we'll try next.
0: We didn't I didn't find one Christmas ale this entire year. Oh,
1: there's there's a couple of good ones, and I'll steer you in the right direction. But there's there's a couple of really good winter ales that you can find um that you know i think uh epic makes a couple of them red rock red rock has a Griswold ale that's uh-huh. really really good too really good christmas it's a little bit darker a little bit more stout a little bit bite to it but it's a really good christmas ale
0: yeah i mean the, for most people who have lived here like uh if you go to a world market or a trader joe's yeah. <laughs> or a bevmo like these places have uh, I mean, the last Christmas when I was in Florida, I had like a ton of div- alligator Christmas beers. Yeah. You know, like, let's, well,
1: uh, I, 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 can spend, I remember when I was living in Washington, they had a, um, uh, wine and more, uh, stores and they uh-huh. were just, you know, full of liquor, beer and wine, just like a big giant box store. Yeah. But I could spend hours in there in the beer aisles because they'd have stuff from, all over the country, everywhere, and the, the world. world. Yeah, yeah. it's just incredible because then, then you're going in there like, oh, I've, I've never tried this, I've never tried this. And you're walking out, you know, with a hundred dollars worth of <laughs> yeah. good beer that you've never tried, and you're finding some, some incredible flavors that you probably would have never tasted before in your life.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's amazing. Like, if to put it into perspective for anyone who hasn't left Utah, Bevmo, just their beer aisle is like the size of a state store here. Like, just the beer aisle. <laughs> like, is so much option. Like Love you that. were saying, I mean, they're, they're literal aisle after aisle after aisle with just beers you've never even heard of. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess you know. I guess it's good for my marriage and in my bank account that I don't live <laughs> in a place there because you know there there, there are times where you could easily drop three to five hundred oh, dollars yeah. walking out with like just a cart full of beer. Uh-huh. In fact, I had a, a good friend of mine came over from from Washington a couple of years ago. We went to go see uh, Bella Fleck and the Flecktones up up on the up on the hill over at the. Uh, the uh the gardens over there okay and uh he's a big beer guy same as we are so uh we walked into this to the liquor store and each one of us had a cart we filled those carts up and we walk out we're like uh well, either we're going to be dead or we're going to be divorced because after <laughs> this purchase, it's not going to go over well with our wives. But it, we, we had a great time, I mean, and that's the best. I mean, you go find different beers you have. We go to the festival, and we, we ran into some, some people that came from California that had brought some different sours that we had never tried. And we had a bunch of beers that they never had, and we were just— you know, trading beers and having a good time and talking about the different types of beers that were, you know, available in each area. It's fun when you can meet different people that that have that same passion and, and looking yeah. for looking for something good locally in an
0: area. Well, what I really liked about it is I'm saving all my caps, mm. so I want to make. Uh, we're getting a teardrop, and I want to make the entire kitchen in the back. The counter and backsplash and everything out of different caps.
1: That's, that's pretty cool. Like kind of pour epoxy over top of it it's done and just like, make a, like a countertop? Uh-huh. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah
0: with, with different caps. Yeah. Like, I don't want like 500 Miller High Life caps, you know. But, um, <laughs> I, I also save some of them, like I don't know if I have any in here, but some labels are, um, they're like vinyl. Not paper. Sometimes you can get the paper ones off, but like on my Christmas bucket or Christmas decoration buckets, Mm -hmm. I'm epoxy and clear coating all the Christmas beer labels over that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's just like you get all these different, I mean, I got a bunch of crap hanging in this tent, so I'm I'm a weirdo, but
1: I like it. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? But yeah. It, 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 you know, really, I mean, it comes, it comes down to, you know, just having fun with it. And we, we were doing the same thing. My, my wife's, my wife's really into wine. And she, one year she had made me this picture. And this is when we first met, maybe one or two years into it. And she had saved all the wine corks of all the bottles that we ever, you know, drank. And she, she was just saving them, saving them, saving them. She just made this, I think it's eight, maybe it's bigger than eight by ten. I'm not even sure the size. Like this 3D box of all these wine corks and like a picture of us. And it's this is really cool design that she made. And just, it's, it's, we still have it. But the, I think the problem is that it over the years, the, 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 the hot glue that she used starts yeah. to deteriorate and the corks start falling off. But it's still cool. I, I love that too. I mean, just, especially with some of these specialty beers you can't find anywhere it's hard to find in certain areas especially in Utah to save some of that stuff and
0: yeah i mean the caps especially it's like you know if you have all your caps on the countertop not every beer but it's just like a photograph if you see that one cap lid that might uh like bring back a memory you yeah, know the, i remember when i drank that beer <laughs> i d- you know it's
1: Kind of, kind of shifting gears a little bit. I did see that um, Utah is thinking about changing their their laws for their uh, wine clubs uh-huh. and possibly allowing you know wine clubs and deliveries to 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 the doorstep. I'm hoping that happens because if that does, it might open up the door to beer clubs too. And then you know, the sky's the limit at that point. You just subscribe and you know get a, get a case of beer every month and you know different different parts of breweries around the world and taste different ones. I would love it. I mean if, if Utah could come to come to grips with reality and realize, you know, this this isn't a bad thing. This is what normal people do around the country, you know, hey, it's it's a, it'll be a good thing for everybody.
0: Yeah, um, I mean what do you when you have it at three point two, it's like you just you're encouraging fat drunks. You know what I'm <laughs> well, saying? I, like...
1: I, you know, I, I can honestly say, though, I was in better shape when it was 3.2 because I would get up a lot more and walk to the bathroom. So I was getting yeah, a lot more I exercise with 3.2%. But I... Well,
0: I quit altogether. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even worth it. <laughs> I I believe they should just open it all. It's In California, we definitely did have, like, a liquor store on every corner yeah you know but uh i mean you didn't have to go to a liquor store you could buy vodka in the grocery store or, or
1: go to costco and get like a life-size oh. bottle of vodka
0: yeah <laughs> 36 <laughs>
1: packs of your budweiser yeah, yeah. yeah. like or the, the kirkland beers were surprisingly good i'd
0: never tasted one of they, those they,
1: I, I can't remember the brewery they use but you know some of those were there's there was one of them that i didn't care too much for but the, there's three of them that weren't very they weren't too bad i mean i was i was quite surprised i'm like kirkland beer oh why not i got kirkland toilet paper i got kirkland everything else let's try kirkland beer but
0: well they would even sell like the samuel adams full season pack so i mean or like a whole case of yeah no they, they actually had like three or four different um three or four different pumpkin ales when i was in florida I just didn't buy any because they were kind of like $2 a bottle, 24-pack yeah. of is. <laughs> eh, maybe I'm not throwing that in the cart. I, I
1: think, you know, for me, and I think that's, uh, and I'm about ready to pop open this this uh, Christmas ale that we made, if you're ready for it. But oh,
0: I am ready. I love Christmas ale. So here,
1: here's the story behind this one. One of my favorite beers I've ever had, especially around the holiday season, is made by Sam Adams. It's called Old Fezzi Ale. And if okay. you know the story of old Fezziwig with um you know the uh, he was the ghost of Christmas past I believe. okay um and they they made this really great beer and it had like notes of orange and cinnamon and it was just this like every time I would drink it in the holidays I would always look forward to it every year I'm like I'm, I can't wait because you buy a 12 pack and there would only be two of them in there. Yeah. And and I'd buy three or four 12-packs wherever I was and just get them and just save and hide the old Fezzy wiggles. I wouldn't give them out because I they, they'd <laughs> be my favorites. Yeah. And what really sparked for, for me, for homebrewing, is trying to find, trying to, trying to make that. Because if I can't buy it and I want it, why not make it? Yeah. So, you know, it basically comes down to basic recipes and following simple recipes. And there's some great resources online. I mean, through Brewer's Friend, through Greenfather, there's there's a great community out there. If anybody that's that's home brewing, you say, hey, does anybody have a recipe for this? And people are happy to share the recipes because they, they they just want people to, to to learn about the craft and to experience, you know, what what they're doing. And that's what I found in homebrewing. There's there's great great group of people out there doing it. So this this holiday ale stems from from my desire to match a similar flavor profile but with a little bit of a spin. Uh, and that, that's the, the great part about home brewing. You you put your own spin on things. Uh-huh. You find a find a recipe or, you know, like anything. It's like baking a cake or, you know, making a steak on a grill. Some people like the little you know, garlic on it some people like a little pepper on it you, you just find what you like and you can build that into your beer you know you, you you make your first batch you realize hey i could i could use a little bit more of this next batch you just add it to it you just document your recipes there's lots of great resources out there i use the grandfather app uh-huh. and i can document my recipes document my brew document my temperature everything so i can replicate the same beer Time and time again, and tweak the the recipe until I get it just right. So this this is a first run. What you're about to taste of a my take of an old Fezziwig ale um, with my twist on it. So let's see if we can get the same pop out of this one as we did the uh, uh, Scottish ale.
0: Oh, that was a bigger pop that was a good there. One.
1: Hopefully, nobody's ears pop out.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure. I don't know if I've had. Did, does Samuel Adams make a different winter ale? They they make
1: it a winter ale, yes, and so th- you can buy that. I think in the grocery stores, if not in the liquor store. So they do make a really good winter ale, and I and I drink that quite often. So I would I would buy that in six pack bottles and drink that all the time.
0: Where do you find it? Because like I couldn't even find Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. In the state store, the grocery store, anywhere, we can't but buy. But the Octo- winter, you
1: can't buy Oktoberfest in October. You got to buy it in August. <laughs> ah, so
0: I, I don't know, man. I mean, you, like I said, you go to, you go to World Market or Bevmo or something. Yeah, They've it got that fun. stuff stacked. There's piles of it. So the
1: the liquor stores, I think, if it was five percent, they stopped doing it. So the the I was finding it in Harmons. So I was buying us you know six packs of the glass bottles of the the winter lager from Sam Adams in, in Harman's, and in Harmons. That's where I was finding it, and it's it's a really light crisp. You know, yeah, and it it's got a little bit of flavor profile to it, but I, it's nothing in the lines of this. So this I'm interested to see what your take is. You're probably about the fourth or fifth person to taste it. We do have some uh, orange in here, some cinnamon, um, and just a hint of ginger. Uh, so I want to see how what your flavor profile pulls out of it. I'm it wa- smells we'll, good. We're gonna tweak it for next year a little bit, but that's damn good to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> when it
0: goes down, it's really smooth, and then you get kind of that like spice, but it's still really light. Like...
1: It's, it's it is very light and what I, I guess what I like and don't like about it. And I'm a, I'm my own worst critic. It's it's a very balanced beer, so you're not going to find anything that's too overpowering in this. Yeah, which is good and bad in my sense. I mean, in a, in something that's going to be a Christmas ale, I want something that's going to have a little bit more of an. A little bit more overpowering, or a little bit more dominant flavor, whether it be the citrus or the cinnamon. I think when I when I rebrew this again next year, I'm gonna up the cinnamon and and orange uh, zest just a hair and and retweak the recipe and see how it comes
0: out. No, it's really good. I mean, you could drink quite a few. Some some thick beers you cannot. Drink a lot of, you (laughs) know. And the good thing about it
1: is, Sam Adams, I I think the old Fezziwig is maybe a 6%. And we're looking at about 6.7% on this one right now.
0: 6.7? No, that's really good. You do taste like that orange after. You swallow. Yeah. Yeah. You do. It, 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 it's funny. There's, there's um,
1: my wife's better than I am when it comes to flavor profiles. She, you know, one of our good friends, he was a sommelier and she's really learned how to, to pull out flavors and she, she can taste it. So anytime I need to learn about, or if I want to say, Hey, wh- what does this need? I, I need to ask her because her flavor profile just blows me off the wall. And she was the one that's saying this, I can taste the orange. I can taste the sun. I can taste everything in it. It's really balanced. I'm like, I think so too, but I don't want balance. I want something that's a little more dominant that's that says Christmas. This is Christmas cheer in your mouth, you know? So I think that's what we're gonna go for next time. And maybe, maybe, uh, maybe if we don't make a fool of myself here, come me on again next year and give you a give you a oh, yeah, taste no, of next for year's.
0: Sure. Um what what do you want
1: to increase the cinnamon i think i think tasting it i want a little more cinnamon there and i want a little more orange in there yeah um i'm not a big fan of ginger but i think ginger a little bit of like a a a bite in the back of the tongue is is kind of cool it's always it's kind of like rye rye has got like this really kind of peppery flavor if you're drinking a rye whiskey or even a rye beer it's got this peppery flavor in the back of your tongue yeah and I think that's what ginger brings to a little bit, just that little bit of a bite. And I think it's I think it's masked. So I might I might up all the the adjuncts in this a little bit more next year and just bring out the flavor profile a little more.
0: I know some I've had some ginger like gingerbread beer that I mean it tasted really good. Like it's like you know, you're eating gingerbread men yeah, almost. Yeah. But some of it it's just like Kind of chemically tasting. Chemically and, and too sharp. Somehow yeah. Gets, gin,
1: ginger, if it's not done right way, it gets way too sharp. And, and
0: I'd probably screw it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, you know, the the, the the cool thing about homebrewing, and, and uh, I think it was Charlie Papazon who said it in his book. And said, I think he wrote a book, and I have read that thing front to back and back to front and every which way. It's, I think it's called The Complete Joy of Home Brewing. He uh-huh. says just, just relax. Have a homebrew and make a beer it's it's just you know don't don't overthink it because it's really a simple process you know you're you're just following a recipe and you're making a great beer and but you can make this thing as challenging as you want by really diving into the chemistry and the biology of, of of the different phases of it and how temperature interacts and how different grains and different Times you drop hops in there and how bitter it makes it can really change the profile of a beer so you can make you can really take this and make it your own and really just fine-tune recipes to your desire You know, the person next door might hate your beer but if you love it you're making your own beer you don't have at it just just have fun enjoy it and make a beer that you like
0: yeah some people do not like like m- my wife only likes the rice beers, yeah, you know, like uh naturalized the, or the, the lighter light beers, or, yeah yeah yep. but uh I don't know man i Think it's cool to taste everything. Yeah, you know
1: I, I do too, and I've always been I've always been a craft beer guy, and I've always loved drinking beer. And I think it was until I met my wife until I learned how to really taste things. And I always tell people my wife taught me how to drink whiskey. She really did, <laughs> and, and it's true because you know I'd be the guy sitting at the bar with a you know a, a cup of Jameson with ice in it with a straw sipping out a straw there looking like a fool. And she'd be the one to slap me upside the head. Get that straw out of there. You look like an idiot, you know? <laughs> yeah, but no, I,
0: I can't even drink wine. I mean, when we were teenagers, we went ancient age, $10 half gallons that uh, <laughs> I can't even touch the stuff. I got too much Irish blood. I'll <laughs> do something stupid. <laughs> That's funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, wine, wine's a whole different topic. I, I, I like wine. I love wine. And I mean, I've been to a lot of different tastings. And oh, I love
0: wine. Yeah. But can't can't drink it. Really, <laughs> it's, it's it's weird because once I get, I we used to call the box wine frenzy a space bag, and you just start you know take the bag out and twist it up and start pounding. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we used that sounds to, dangerous <laughs> when we were. Younger teenagers, we used to get uh, the ninety-nine cent store wine. This stuff tastes like wood oh. glue. It was like twenty like percent. Filtered through an old dirty sock. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> but yeah, no, I can't. You know, can't do it. I don't even try anymore. I don't <laughs> touch it. I haven't touched anything stronger than beer in like over fifteen years. Wow,
1: yeah, good for you. Good yeah, for you. it's it's. um I, I really dialed back and really focused a lot of beer. I mean, I think my my craft really started out craft. My my hobby really started out more in, in distilling.
0: That's what you were saying. Yeah, and I
1: I really kind of fell in love with that. I, I was like I said, I was a beer guy. I loved beer. And I, I think I'm really impressionable. So when I watch something like TV, like I'll watch The Karate Kid and think I'm gonna go kick some ass. I'm like, look out! I just watch Karate Kid. Don't 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 mess with me. Yeah, that's but, how
0: I am after a half gallon of whiskey. <laughs> exactly. All
1: yeah, right. So I was watching, um, you know, that show on on. Uh, I don't even know what network it's on anymore, but it, it the Moonshiner Show. You yeah. Know, with all those backwards guys out in the east, you know, southeast, just making making moonshine. I'm like. My initial thought is, if these guys can do it, I think I can do this. Yeah, and that's that's where it all stemmed from for me. I'm like, and then, it all will back checked my whole story and how I got in there. But what I realized is, as I farther along, I got into distilling, the more I realized how much I didn't know. How much these guys were brilliant in their own. Oh crap.
0: man, these they're it's like brought up through generations. Th- these these guys
1: have. Recipes dialed in, and, and flavor profiles dialed, and temperature. I mean, they, they can they can touch something and tell you how it's going to come out. They could take their 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 jar of moonshine and shake it and tell you what proof it is just by looking at the bubbles that, that are rising up on the side of that jar. I'm like, these guys have taken science and just thrown it out the window, saying this 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 is ancient. This this is what what we've been taught from. Our grandfather's grandfather, from generation well, yeah. to generation, and they perfected it over the years.
0: It's like all the dry counties. We almost moved to Killen, Alabama. That was the actual name, <laughs> Killing. Um, but I mean, they they've been a dry county since Prohibition. You know what I'm saying? So they they've been out in the woods
1: distilling alcohol shine, since. Creek. Like,
0: I what do you what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think realistically. If you're in California, you go buy 151 if that's what you want. You know, you buy whatever you want. But these, now you have a black market of people who, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of violence within that.
1: There is. And, and I think now it's more of um, a novelty than it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Some places, though, like in y- killing
1: <laughs> y- Yeah, some places. I mean, yeah, true. But I think moreover it's a novelty because you can go into a a uh, liquor store and buy their i'm doing air quotes around my mic and you can't see it but their their idea of moonshine you know it's it it's terrible it it is god awful stuff some of the stuff that they're peddling crosses moonshine because it, it the flavor's off everything's off about it but what I found is there, there's certain places that can make it really really well uh-huh. um, and it all comes down to the simple simple recipe and following simple designs and there, there's there's different ways to distill which it, wh- and I had to learn this the hard way and what I found was I, I when, it, when I first when I first thought to myself I want to make moonshine if these guys can do it why can't I? I just went on the internet and found a design for a still and I went down in into my backyard and with a little torch and some copper and in a in a 15 gallon keg and made my own still
0: I've seen kitchen table size ones Oh, yeah, yeah. how big was yours so so
1: mine was built on a 15 a, a, uh, gallon keg and okay. it was built with a two-inch um, copper pipe tube about three to four three and a half feet tall and it came out off of that and then had the the condensating uh chamber so it was a pipe inside of a pipe so cool water ran up there and it would take the steam and and cool off to to turn it back into a liquid so this is what was called a reflux still and that's time i had no idea you know i just wanted to try to make moonshine so (laughs) so here i am no idea what's going on um No business making my own moonshine, the first batch that we ran. And I'm like, hey, you know, a couple of friends come over and we're sitting there in my backyard, Spokane, Washington, with this keg full of this corn whiskey liquor that we had just fermented in a fifty-five gallon plastic drum in my basement and you know at the whole time my wife's <laughs> yelling at me, the house stinks, the house stinks got this little <laughs> air popper going off and you know you smell this corn just smashing and just, ah, it was, was god awful because my first recipe was probably tasted like it was dirty socks coming out. But it, it was fun. And but what we le- <laughs> what we learned through the experience was that the the way the way you make your mash The type of still you have is going to give you a good output. So, what we did the first time, and luckily for us, it came out good because the way the way we mixed it afterwards. So the the funny story was, we made it, we pumped it out of my basement into this fifty five gallon drum, and and I wasn't thinking about time or anything like that. I'm like moonshine, we got to do it at night, we got to wait till nighttime, you know can't have anybody seeing what we're doing in our backyard you know (laughs) (laughs) so we're sitting in when i lived a duplex at the time so my neighbor was you know living in his house and we're out there you know nine ten o'clock in the morning now firing up this propane burner banjo burner and you hear this (laughs) jet engine taking off (gasps) this fire burning underneath this thing it's like all right guys so now we're going to start making moonshine so we got to I think two friends over at the time and we're sitting out back there and it takes a little time to heat up 15 gallons. So now yeah. it's like midnight and it's getting cold outside. Uh. The liquor's getting hot and everything we're drinking starts to catching in. So one thing I learned is if you're making moonshine, do not drink <laughs> too much too early and I'll get to that part of the story because it's funny. So we're, we start making it and we start seeing stuff dripping out. We're like, oh, cool. And we, we, we did a little bit of our research beforehand. We know different alcohols uh, um, come out at different temperatures. You know, at your 150 degrees, you're pulling pull out meth, methanol, acetones, and that's going away. Once you hit about 172, you're pulling out the pure ethanol. And that's, that's the stuff that, that the hearts of, of the moonshine that everybody's going after. And it's a mix of the tails because your tails are giving you a little bit of the flavor. And it's just different temperatures that pull out the different layers of the alcohol content and types of alcohol. So we're making this and we're, we're brewing this up. And, and it's going pretty good. We got the methanol out. We threw it out. We lit it on fire on the sidewalk. And we're just all watching this blue flame burn. Great. <laughs> Everything's good. So now it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and the hearts are starting to come out. And my one buddy's laying belly up in my grass, passed out. My other <laughs> friend's in the bushes throwing up his McDonald's french fries that he ate. And I'm sitting there with this jar of moonshine, cold. So my legs are wrapped around my little, you know, my, my, uh, my keg with this fire burning in front of me. And, I'm, <laughs> and I passed out. And the 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 jar had tipped and oh. spilled on the side of my keg and I feel this immense heat on my legs and I just jump back and all I could think of is that is a pretty blue flame. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, my still's on fire <laughs> So we go over, shut off the gas, you know, grab the keg, take it off there, put the whole fire out, and we're like, holy crap, man! Everything is on fire, and everything's charred. And lo and behold, pick the keg back up, set it back on the fire, light it back up, and finish that run. And (laughs) (laughs) you, how much of it did you
0: waste? Like half uh,
1: of it. You know, we didn't met, we didn't waste that much. And in for me, I I really don't know what the yield would have been on that. But we pulled out about a gallon of 174 proof out of that 15 gallon batch, of pretty good liquor. So we, what we what we ended up doing on that corn mash, which I think came out pretty good, and, and I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to do this again someday. But we made a good apple pie. We made a good pickle. We made a good lemon pie moonshine and it was to die for.
0: My brother in law got some apple pie moonshine. I I didn't taste it. I can't touch that. I'd be Oh it's running rough. around it's, crazy it is rough, yeah. If I, you know, just touches my lips. I'm done. <laughs> but my wife tasted it and she said that it tastes like just like apple pie.
1: Yeah. So if if you do it right in our recipe just it was simple. We just took the we just took our our hundred and seventy four proof. Um I didn't I didn't water it down with distilled water or anything like that. But what we did was we took like a apple concentrate, you know, those little cans you can buy in the freezer section of a uh-huh. grocery store. Um, some cinnamon, some brown sugar, and just boiled it. Just kind of got all the flavors mixed together, cooled it all down, and then mixed it to a good flavor. So we pulled about 110 to 120-proof apple pie okay. moonshine that was, was phenomenal.
0: So, yeah, you didn't lose that much. No, I mean you, the percentage wise, we did we did still we, pretty high percentage. Yeah, and
1: it, it balanced out. But we you know we increased our volume by blending it out that way. But then we also did the same thing. We we took there, there's a, a a crazy little restaurant out in the East Coast in, in um, Ocean City, Maryland called Pickles. My brother took me there, you know, quite a few years back, and they had pickle shots and all of this is just vodka and pickle juice. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would turn you into a prune the next day, cause all the salt in it. But it was so good. I'm like, I love the pickle flavor in, in in alcohol. So we mimicked that with with moonshine. So we had everybody and anybody like, hey, if you got kosher pickles, save your pickle juice. We need it. <laughs> so we started making 120 proof pickleback moonshine. We put a little hot sauce in there, so it had a little bite to it. With
0: the pickle so what juice. do you put the you just, you just put straight. Straight, like pickle pickle juice. Shot,
1: straight uh it, it was and i can't remember the mix this was going back about six or seven years but it was it was uh it was a a blend of uh our 174 proof with the pickle back and it was all done to taste are know? we just
0: doing vlasic here or yeah vlasic whatever okay. we get our
1: hands on anything that tasted good that was that was a good dill flavored pickle juice we were mixing it with some frank's hot sauce and tabasco we were just we were just blending stuff and just handing it out say hey what do you think about this what do you think about that before you know it, everybody's belly up and you know nobody could tell what's good and what's not anymore but what we did find out was it was yeah good velastic or or the colossian the colossians i can't remember what style it was but whatever it was it was a good Kosher dill pickle flavor. Kosher dill. Kosher dill. It's got to be kosher. <laughs> and, and a little bit of hot sauce in there. And then 174 proof moonshine on top of it. It, it made for a killer drink.
0: That's crazy. You said Ocean City? Ocean Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Not Ocean City, Maryland. My aunt, her ashes went all over Ocean City, Ocean... Yeah, I don't know getting way off topic now guys <laughs> <laughs> this is some good beer well good i'm glad you like it
1: i mean it's it was it was uh labor love and you know it, it was it was it stemmed out of pure desperation to try to make something that i couldn't find here anymore and come to find out sam adams isn't sam adams if you're listening i'm really pissed off at you right now um for not putting old fezzy back in your
0: christmas packs well that's the problem is like the mississippi mud right there you know when not every beer company wants to make and now it's at five percent but still like you're missing so many beers because they're 5.5 proof proof or six proof or like when it was 3.2 you wouldn't find one of those like that's
1: just what I did find, what I did find, what I appreciate here, especially when you look at squatters and you into, you know, some of the staples and some of the the, the the people have been here since the beginning, is they they made some good beers, and they had to work through that whole process. They had to figure out how to make a good tasting beer, good quality beer, but still be able to sell it through utah so yeah. they, they had a lot of challenges they had to overcome to meet the utah standards but still make a good beer that people wanted to drink so my hat's off to those guys because they did a really damn good job And i mean a lot of these a lot of these places out here trying to get out there and, and make you know do the craft they, they did a really good job doing it through. through the yeah
0: whole... no it, i mean it it is one thing like for the home brews, but like for people who are selling in stores like there's some some local brewers you know but like a lot of the mainstream are like like you're not gonna find a bad L for a Santa's butt or a no. flaming gourd or because we just won't sell to Utah yeah. <laughs> like well, that's, it's, it. that's <laughs> the sad
1: part I mean I think I think the hard part is you know a lot of a lot of people in Utah that like beer missing out on the good beers that are out there yeah and i think that's why a lot of these home brewers i mean and there's a lot of associations here a lot of pe- a lot of great people that are making good beer and it's such an open community people are so welcoming no matter what what walk you're in and whether you're just starting out and just trying to learn or whether you're you know got 20 years underneath your belt i mean you go to some of these homebrew stores one of my favorite ones to go to around here is just a beer nut i mean you walk in there and you can you make yourself where's a that at it's right off of, it's i think it's 1200 and state
0: 12 okay little,
1: little storefront right there off of state street some great people over there and i remember walking in there my first time and i was getting some stuff for distilling and that was years and years ago and, I haven't been back there since, and I started brewing a little more heavier now beer uh, probably in the last year, year and a half. Um, I made some, made some pretty interesting beers um, in the past. <laughs> One of them was, uh, it was in Spokane, Washington, and this was through the whole distilling phase. And I'm like, all right, let's try a beer. So I think we were trying to make maybe some sort of Belgium. I don't even remember what the recipe was. We were making it in a stovetop. And we didn't have any way to to chill the wort to get it down to temperature to pitch the yeast because you have to chill it quickly, pitch the yeast into it, and seal it so you don't get any foreign microorganisms in there interacting with your yeast and and potentially Uh contaminating the beer. So we're sitting there, and we're boiling this this wort, uh, and we got the boil going. We're like, how the hell are we going to cool this thing off? So we're like, let's just get the bathtub on the coldest water we can get throw as much ice as your refrigerator can make in this bathtub and just take this, you know, pot off the stove and just set it right in the damn bathtub. And that's what we did. <laughs> so we made ourselves some bathtub beer
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> out of there. And it was just out of pure desperation. But, I mean, I, I think I think really, I mean, when you come down to it, it, it's, you know, if you get creative, you can figure out how to do it. And if you want to learn how to do it. There's a lot of great people to, to to point in the right direction. I mean, there's 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 a lot of uh, great Facebook pages. I think that's how we met uh, yeah. through, through, the, through the Utah Home Brewers Home Brewers page, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we met there, and uh, there, there's some great people that have way far better knowledge than I do about beer brewing. But that's that's the cool part. People are happy to share with you their experiences. They kind of, if you got a question, you post it on there. They're they're willing to help you and point you in the right direction or share their experiences with
0: you. I'm always seeing people post pictures of these beers I can't find anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible, right? For some reason,
1: you know, it's 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 been like 15 years since I had that. He's yeah. cracking open the Mississippi mud now no pop on this one we get a little snap but not not as not as appealing <laughs> over the air <laughs> but it's we'll uh we'll walk through this yeah so yeah the great the the guys over the beer not uh, let me let me tell you i mean one of my favorite places to go because they make you feel at home over there so you can go over there with your grain bill, you know exactly what you want. You walk in with your bucket, and you'll help yourself, and you measure your stuff out. And it's it's all honor code there. You're like, oh, I got two pounds of this, three pounds of this. You hand him a recipe, they ring you up, you walk out the door. But there, I had an experience, actually, when we were making... Okay, so it's it's the one coming off next. So we, we made a Dunkelweizen. And... It's a chase after one of my favorite beers made up in Montana. You can't find anywhere outside Montana Mm -hmm. called Faceplant. It's a 7.5% dunkel, dark lager, you know, German style beer, really, really tasty, really malt forward on it, which, you know, gives you some of the caramel tones, some of the roasted flavors in there, not bitter at all, really sweet and really easy drinking dark beer. So I, I crafted this recipe and I put it together and I, played with it for weeks and weeks and weeks until I finally figured out I this this is what I want so I walk over to the beer nut and I I get over there and I bring my recipe start scooping up drink greens and uh start talking with the guy over there um he's like oh what are you making I told him I'm like hey you know I want I want your can you give me your your opinion on this I mean uh, this is my first time I'm making this style of beer what are your thoughts and he takes a look at my recipe he goes that's going to make a really great beer if you want to take my advice, I would suggest just dialing back to about 10% on on these uh, caramelts because they're going to give you way too much sweetness in it. I'm like done, so I just dialed it back. We adjusted the recipe on the fly right there in the middle of the, right there in the middle of the beer nut, um, and was able to take that recipe and maintain. Right now, it's it's just about done in the fermenter. We're hitting about 7.75% on on the ABV on a really dark German style beer. Um, and I'm a little anxious to see how it's going to come out because I pitched a Hefeweizen yeast in it. So that's going to bring out some of the banana tones and some of the, um, clove tones in it. And, and this, this is where recipes come in handy and where, where a lot of these, uh, people, you're talking to homebrew networks and everywhere across will tell you the different specifics. I don't have a way to cool my, I don't have a way to take seven and a half gallon fermenter and get it to 34 degrees. It's just way too big. I don't have the refrigeration to do it. I don't have a glycol jilt, chiller or anything to do it. So they said you can pitch it with this yeast and still get this flavor profile, maintain it here. If you get it too hot, you're going to get some more banana tones out of there. But when I walked out of uh, Beer Nut, you know, I, I came out with a greater sense that I'm like, hey, you know what? I think I figured out what my recipe is going to be like. We're going to test it. We're going to run it. You know and hopefully here in in about a month from now we're gonna come out with a good beer if not we'll readjust the recipe and do it again
0: how many gallons of beer do you got going on like a regular basis
1: so I'm trying to do one every month and a half to two months so the cycle the cycle I mean and it's it's a friend of mine um, and the owner of a company that I work for he's he's he him and his wife like really good beers like I do um and it was funny it was when i when i moved here and i started working for him uh he wanted to brew some beer i, w- I was in the moon shining um when i moved i had given up my still i had, I had nothing when i came up here so he, he he's like i'm gonna go buy the grandfather. you know it's this great five gallon easy to to brew in single single pot that you can do everything in it's a great unit to use and um and i'm like well i want to make some i want to make some alcohol i want to make some moonshine so we we came up with the challenge and he made he he bought the grandfather and went and bought another you know built another still and then uh he was he was at the time we were getting ready to make some beer but i hadn't made some moonshine in mine it came out pretty good and then he's like, what, a, what about, let's do a rum. I'm like, I can't do a rum in my, my still. I had a reflux still. So it's, it's an alcohol. It's, it's a stripping still. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's there to produce, you know, the, the, the pure grain alcohol, 170 proof, no flavor, and you add flavor to it. He's like, well, let's do rum. What we found is you can buy the the uh, alchemist still uh, top, the 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 pot still top for a greenfather, put it on there and use the green father for a still.
0: The beer, so, yeah, the beer kit beer brewing for- kit.
1: You can buy the, the 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 still top for it. So we went out and got that. And we started working a rum recipe, and we started mixing molasses and, and got everything through, and we made a, a, a killer white rum and spiced a little bit. It came out really, really well.
0: Now, how does that cool? If you're not going through like the quarter-inch copper chilling tube, how does how does the rum? So that style, it's it's a little different. So it has got
1: the the way it cools is it's got a huge dome to the top of it. So you you imagine the steam rising up out of this five gallon or or ten gallon unit, interacting with this copper and going up through a tube and coming down through a tube that cold water is running on the outside of this tube. It's taking that steam and cooling it off and turning it back into a liquid. It's doing the same thing as is the, the the stripping still that I made the the, the reflux still, but it's okay. it's more condensed, and the the pot style still maintains more flavor profile throughout it. So the two different stills, when you when you when you think about it, the reflux still is a stripping still. It's it's going to make more of a vodka based style, no flavor profile that you can add flavors to it. You can infuse flavors to it. When you work it through the pot, still the pot still maintains flavor profile throughout. So if you're making a good whiskey, a good rum, you want to maintain those those flavors of the grains and, and the different you know the, the different molasses or whatever you're putting into the type of alcohol you're making. It's gonna it's gonna retain that flavor throughout the whole process. Okay, the
0: man, what is that? You know the older comedian makes the uh, the crystal skull vodka
1: ah man he's
0: a he's a movie star not just yeah i i I could
1: see i could see the bottle you're talking about but i can't
0: man i can't think of it have you ever tasted that i i have it's been years is it i mean because he's talking about you know filtering it through diamonds and i've only had charcoal filtered vodka myself (laughs)
1: so let let me tell you my, my uh, my wife, she she she's really really well at flavors, like I said earlier. But she can take a as as long as it is you you know the liquor store and and go to the vodka aisle uh-huh. and go to the bottom shelf and pick the cheapest bottle you can find in a plastic bottle. As long as it's triple distilled, you can add any flavor to it you want. So she'll make she'll take a a, a you know an eight dollar bottle of cheap vodka that would burn a hole in your esophagus on the way down <laughs> and take it and put it in mason jars with with cucumbers and turn it into a, a fantastic cucumber vodka um we had some that you know you take peppers and uh, hot peppers and and uh, garlic and different things and make a really good flavored base for a bloody mary or she'd take it and put like a orange peel and vanilla bean and peppercorn in it make another incredible flavor so as long as you get a really good solid base it has to be triple distilled you can infuse whatever flavors you want in that vodka
0: yeah i don't know maybe one day i'll learn how to drink hard (laughs) liquor and I, i i'm telling you like when we were 14 by the time we were 14 15 years old you know at first we were had our little plastic takavaka vodka, pop off vodka, whatever Stater Brothers brand, and you know you'd pound it and you'd take a sip of uh, Coca Cola and then just gives me heartburn thinking about those names. Never, <laughs> never had enough money for the chasers, so then we would start, you know, using the drinking fountain at the park, and then it was just like you got to a point by the time you were 15 where you're just sitting there pounding. <laughs> Charcoal filtered vodka. <laughs> it's brutal. I uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, my my family in general has that same problem. So I don't know if it was from when I was a teenager or just like. Yeah, I think
1: I think the balance is trying to find. You know, you get to a point where, and I I think for me now after you know hitting my forties, it's it's, it's more about flavor. Yeah. And back in my twenties, it was I didn't give a shit about anything. You know, you just you just drink anything. You know, doing shots of everything and anything that anybody gives to you. Now, for me, it's like if if I'm if I want to drink something, it better be good because if it's not, I'm probably be up all night having heartburn, and I don't want to deal with that
0: anymore. <laughs> yeah. No i I don't even don't even taste it. Man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm good. Like with
0: with some of these home brews
1: and some of the beers, you know, that I've found around here, anymore, just sipping on them and just tasting them. Even with good whiskeys now, it's just finding a whiskey that I really like. And I and, and I've I've fallen in love. Um, and, and this one I'll always go back to, and is is one of my staples. Is made by High West. it's the Yippie Kaye. It's aged in a, Syrah's wine barrel and it's got these really kind of soft tones to it, and I think it's a rye whiskey aged in that bo- barrel. Um, I don't know how long they do it, but it's it's so good. I can drop an ice cube in it, let it mellow for a little bit, and just sip on that, and, and the flavor profile is phenomenal, and it, as I get older, I'm, I'm starting to realize, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to get toasted anymore i'm looking just to enjoy a good whiskey enjoy a good beer enjoy you know a good craft if, if somebody's making something and it, it's a homebrew or if it's a uh, distilled i want to taste it i want to i want to taste what you made i'm not sitting there and trying to down it or chug yeah. it or
0: well that's my problem it's like once it touches my lips man it's just <laughs> like okay yeah, yeah. No, let's get rid of this little glass here. Just give me that bottle. It's quick. <laughs> it moves. Yeah, I've
1: learned to stop, and I think I think it comes with age to, to learn to slow down a little bit, to enjoy life, enjoy what's in front of you, taste it, enjoy the the flavors, and and, and appreciate what. Especially if it's homebrew, appreciate what people have made and, and, to, and to, to learn about it. Say, hey, what would you put in that? How'd, how did you make that? What, what is that? And, and, and to really, like I said, appreciate it for what it is.
0: So within the group, are you guys
1: trading beers back and forth? You know, I haven't, I've seen different people like offer to trade or, you know, Hey, I've got this, you know, and and it's great. I had, um, um, I think it was Darren Burke. I believe he's part of that network. Um, he posted on there. He's got these, uh, plastic tubs, you know, he's looking to give away, you know, he used to store grain in them. He's upgrading his system and, and I hit him up. I'm like, man, I really love to have those. So he, he messaged me back and he said, you know, you, you're part of this network he goes they're yours just come pick them up so i i go over there I drive over to his house and he wasn't home and i pick up he left him on his front porch and I left the beer for him there and just uh, you know it's good porter that i that i really enjoyed at the time and i said you know th- thanks for that and i i think that's what the network is all about it's like hey you, you know you got different things to share you got different things to give back and forth and i think there's a lot of it going on i i I haven't shared my beers yet with a lot of people. I'm still working on developing my recipes and really fine-tuning what I have. So th- th- this for me is is relatively new. Um I'm I'm hoping you're enjoying these beers and
0: Oh and man, that's pretty good. That second one was extremely good. The first one, like I said, it was it was better than the dark Guinness. Yeah. Like I mean, what are you doing for St. Patrick's Day? Have you, you already started that? Or? No,
1: I haven't thought about that. You know, and I, I think and uh, and I got to talk. I got to talk to. Uh my friend who I'm brewing with and because we collaborate on a lot of things, we always bounce back and forth and we usually leave it up to her wives. What do you want next? What do you, <laughs> you, what do you, you like? So he's, he's, you know, for, for me, he, he's got a really good flavor profile. His, his, his wife is Asian. She makes some really killer foods and different flavor profiles. He's, he, I, you know, I, I can call him a chef in his own right. I mean, he could, he can, we could walk into a restaurant and he could tear apart anything and he could, you could probably cook anything or uh, make anything you want. So when it comes to beer, you know, it, it's it's that collaboration. It's like, all right, what do we want to make next? How do we want to make it? So our next, I think our next batch, and we've been talking about this, is doing a about a 10% Belgian triple, just going to, for a really big beer. We found a couple of really good ones that we really liked, and we're going to try to match that flavor profile and probably go for it. I'm not sure how it's going to come out. It's going to be a difficult one, especially with a, you know, a grain father. It's, it's going to be a giant grain bill. Probably we put the, with the dunkel we just, we just ran out of there and still fermenting. Um, the grain good for about 20 pounds of grain and we ran 19 pounds through it. it. It was difficult because once you start mashing that grain in there and you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, a cylinder pot, you know, it's probably about four feet tall. Um, you're trying to mix 19 pounds of grain in that water and trying to keep it from you know getting these dough balls and trying to, to coagulate and trying to make sure that all those pieces of, of, of grain come in contact with the water so you can extract the starch and convert it into sugar. It, it's very, very difficult. So, so what do
0: you have, like a stick or do you have like a
1: big old like... It's, it's just a mash paddle. It's just, it just looks like a big... Like, like an ore, like a yeah, kind of like if you wanted to whip your kids for being <laughs> <kind> of, <laughs> kind of like an ore with holes. Excuse me, with holes in it. You're sitting there just stirring your grain, just making sure that that you're just agitating the 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 grain through the water, making sure the water is extracting all that starch, converting it to sugar, and just. It, and it really comes down to efficiency, and that's all it really is. When you're making a, a recipe, you're looking okay. I'm shooting for a five percent, or six percent, or seven percent. You can put your your um, recipe into an app. Like I said, I use the grain father uh-huh. and you can fine-tune it. You can look at it, and it'll tell you what your efficiency is, and it'll tell you what your expected uh, gravity is, how much sugar is going to be extracted out of that grain. Once you figure that out, then you can figure out how much alcohol content you're going to get out of it. And you do a little simple math with the calculators they have in the app, and it makes it super simple, easy, and then from there, you go into the brewing process. Once you brew it, then you realize, okay, I didn't have the efficiency that I thought, or maybe my, my grain wasn't right, or whatever the case may be. But still, I, I can almost guarantee if, if anybody wants to try brewing beer, you'll probably do a good job with it.
0: What's What's something somebody should start with? Just one of those little plastic... Gallon kegs. If, or? if if anybody wants to start, I,
1: I would suggest going down the grain or going down to Beer Nut and buying one of their extract kits. Those extract kits are super easy to use. It's it's like a um, like a syrup. They've already done all the work, extracted all the sugars and stuff out of the grains. So you don't have to steep the grains. They either, they, when you get into the grains, it's a whole different animal. Learning about efficiencies. But if you want to make a really good beer and get into the hobby of it, it's super super simple and relatively inexpensive to go down to buy a, a beer kit and make, you know, two gallons or a gallon of beer.
0: Okay. Now, with uh, with the group in general, this is something I've kind of asked everybody that's come on the show. How much has it grown or decreased due to COVID? It seems like everything has kind of gained popularity since COVID, which is really weird here because nothing really got shut down yeah you know i i don't know if i don't know if
1: i actually know the answer to that question but i can give you my personal experience to it i i i I tend to think it probably has grown quite a bit because my experience has been you know i i'm sheltering place i'm at home i'm got nothing to do and let's let's some beer. Let's make some whiskey. Let's make some moonshine. It gives I, I think it gives a lot of people time to stop and think and really do some research on how to make a good good beer, or good whiskey, or good one, whatever you want to make, whatever your craft is, good pizza, whatever it is you're trying to do. I, I think it allowed people some more time to take a step back and really chase after things they really love to do. And that that's what it did for me. I mean, it is slowed me down. I was on the road probably 80% of the time prior to COVID. I was traveling all over the country, going everywhere from Nashville to Texas to Idaho to Washington, never had time to stop and, and do what I loved. And, but what it did give me the opportunity to do is find the beers that I yeah. love, and ac- the whiskeys that I loved all across the country. And
0: you find those local ones, those local yeah, state ex- ones.
1: Exactly. You, you you taste those flavors and then you can bring it back. Now that I was able to slow down, I was able to find out how to find those recipes, replicate those recipes, and then make them myself. So and I, I think that's – i I'm sure a lot of people have a similar experience. I think COVID really kind of – help reset America to slow down and go after the things you'd like to do, you enjoy, you, you know, the 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 different hobbies and experiences that people like to do.
0: Yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see when we get back. To, I mean, they got that vaccine or whatever. I mean, I know there's some, like, we're still going to have to social distance and all mm. this stuff. It's hard to tell how long all this is going to last, but it'll be weird to see, or it'll be interesting to see how many people stay with all these different hobbies that they found during COVID.
1: Yeah. And I hate to think about that far ahead because I'm really enjoying the, the, um, the different pieces that I'm, that I'm doing and that I'm learning. And I think that's, that's the fun part about it is for me, it's the learning experience to, to find out what makes a good beer. Yeah. And, to, to be able to dive in I mean with with Google at your fingertips I mean the sky's the limit you can, yeah. you can learn. but the, the problem is I mean the problem that you run into and and, and I and I have this problem and, I, and it's hard that everybody has a different philosophy on how to do different things so if you're looking to make something really good my advice would be to you know what, Find something that you can make simple and just do it because you're going to find the people out there that have the biology degrees, chemistry degrees. They're going to tell you, no, you need to do it this way. You need to add this. You need to do that. And it's going to get so boggled down in your mind, so challenging that you're not going to want to do it. But just keep it in the simplest form because you can make a good beer. You can make a good whiskey. You can make a good wine really simply And then go from there. If you find that you like that hobby, you enjoy doing it, then chase after it. Go go after there's there's a lot of opportunity to go out there to go go after biology and chemistry and and learn about the temperature effects on on war and learn the temperature effects on your fermentation and and the different microorganisms that that interact in the whole process. It's 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 something that you can spend, you know, ten years learning about two different fully blown master degrees in, in chemistry and biology and, and still come to the end of it and and make as good as beer as somebody
0: like me who has no idea what the hell they're doing half the time. Well, I think, like, kind of a sad thing is just like we were talking, like, since the prohibition in these dry counties, you, you have generation after generation after generation who has perfected their specific craft. And corporations have kind of bought that and you know kind of taken it now it's like you go to the cubicle we'll worry about this but I mean that really is it's not like you can't just have a chemist or a biologist make the there's an art to it it's not just like a science there's there's an art and it would be really cool if people not just in beer brewing but in a lot of things you know that started getting generational Hmm. To where, you know, like you teach your kids how to brew beer, and yeah. they stick with it, and we get kind of that apprentice style thing going back on again. I think that.
1: I I, I think that's really true for a lot of different a um, lot of things a lot of things across the country. I mean, I I I grew up. And I didn't want to go to college. I just hated yeah. the whole idea of school. And I got into electrical work. And I was an apprentice. And I had my own business. And just that whole process of things. Just, just just a great experience. Because it's tools that you can use through your whole life. And no matter what you're learning, if you can go through an apprenticeship program, I, I really think that's that's a great tool for anybody to learn. Because you're learning some very valuable skills that you can take through any profession in life. You know, I, I was an electrician and I, have been through five different major industries in my life. And now I'm settled in transportation. And I, we do a lot of, you know, I, I guess you can call us legal drug mules. We do a lot of movement for, uh, pharmaceutical across the country and never in my wildest dreams. If you were to tell me I'm 20 years old, this is what I'd be doing. But, you know, I, I, I took everything I've learned in my apprenticeship throughout the course of my life and was able to apply it anywhere. So I I, I think you're spot on. So, you know, if, if people can pass on their knowledge from generation to generation, you know, whether it's the art or the science of it, I think both of them go hand in hand. But I mean, the art of it is comes into a lot of different generations feeding into their... Different uh, ways that they're making their craft, yeah, and and that brings a lot of the art to the table, and and the science kind of follows it because you have to follow that certain law of science to make things work the way you want to, and then you you could break, you got to learn the the rules before you break the rules, but sometimes people stumble on some really good things that have no idea, and I think that's what I do a lot with beer. It's like some I I don't know the science behind it. But I know what flavors I like and I know yeah. I know enough where I can go in and, and pick out my grain, make a recipe and brew it and say, okay, I missed it. This is where I missed it and this is where I'm going to make it better next time. And that's the beauty of it because you might not get it right. You might fall on your ass. You might screw up. But if you learn from it, if you can learn from the art or from the generations past,
0: you're, you're going to do well. And it's it's not even so much of like a, a science thing. It's more like, like I said, it's like an art. Like, just because you're the best scientist and you know how to make these, <laughs> these particles or molecules or whatever do this, it's like, that's not going to bring out the expression that some family who's been perfecting their craft through generations mm-hmm. would do. And I... I I hope we get back to that. Like, I don't. I don't know. I'm hoping COVID kind of helped with not just hobbies, but you know, everybody's sort of getting into all these different areas, and it would be really cool to start ma and pawing every industry again. You know.
1: I, I hope I hope the uh, I hope the world opens back up to that because I think. I think a lot of these smaller um, shops and smaller um, uh, smaller companies kind of really took a hit through COVID. Oh yeah, a, a lot of them aren't coming back. And I and I just really hope to God that you know that we don't have four major players in the country controlling everything you know your walmart's your targets your budweiser amazon yeah yeah. and that that just destroys everything because you 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 lose a lot of that like you said the art of everything yeah You you lose that you know certain finesse that comes to you know you're gonna get something totally different in maine than you are in southern california and it's just because of the local knowledge the craft that they built there and i just hope to god we don't lose that well, After I think all this.
0: people like you and everyone in your brewing community, as long as, you know, like you, Budweiser will come out with a craft beer, but uh, as long as you guys are around, it keeps it alive, you know?
1: It, it does, and and I, I mean, you see it all the time, a lot of these really good craft breweries, you know, they end up selling out to the bigger mm-hmm. Anheuser bushes, and, you know, and, in one sense it's it's good in another sense it just loses that local feel I mean high West did it I mean Constellation brand bought them out you know people who uh, own Corona bought bought out high West locally I mean they're still making the craft and they're still doing the thing but
0: you, you can't know, blame the owner either you, you can't
1: I mean it's it's a great investment opportunity yeah and, and they're getting they're going worldwide now I mean they're, they're, that brand is taking them worldwide but in the same sense as you just hope that they don't lose their fine touch that maybe there's ingredients
0: are. that we could buy here but we can get a yeah. bulk price over here for or better or our
1: marketing team says this flavor profile yeah. is more prevalent through the nation than what you're making so we want you to make this and that and that's where the challenge comes in because now when you're you're, you're part of a bigger corporation you're at the you're, you're out their control. You've got to do most of the time. I, I would assume you've got to do what they, they want you to do. Yeah. But you're, you're always going to find these home brewers. I mean, people like myself who just, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to make what I like to drink and hopefully other people like
0: it. If not, I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> I'm hoping that they loosen regulation in the sense like, like in Canada If I were to shoot a moose, I would be able to sell that moose to like a restaurant or, you know, I could sell this, the meat and the same. I I don't know if Canada does that with alcohol, but it would be cool if we could loosen the regulation to where you could sell your beer without a ridiculous amount of licensing and business insurance and all this crazy crap that makes it impossible.
1: I think they've... Uh, effectively figured out how to do that in like California and Colorado with the weed laws. Yeah. I'm going to sell you this bottle. You're going to buy this bottle for 10 bucks, but inside this bottle, I'm going to give you a gift.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, free gift. (laughs) I had, I had my medical card in California and the problem, it all gets corporations come in and they stick their dirty little fingers in everything but even with it was always a donation you know like mm-hmm. if you wanted something you would give them a donation it right. was a You're set not donation this, but 25 <laughs> yeah. bucks
1: donation will get you this
0: and then they have to kind of you know the banks weren't accepting their money and it's like it's it's just i don't know man i think we need to open all that up to where like yeah, you might get somebody who's coming in here they're trying to make beer. This is their first time ever doing it and you get food poisoning or what. I mean, that's life. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. die, it happens. It was an accident. Stop those people, but you can't just like lock everything up.
1: Right. And I I I drank your
0: beer. I didn't die. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whew. I hope my insurance is up, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, but I, I, I think, I think the thing is, you know, figuring out those regulations and everything, you know, people will take it to that level and, and, and go to the, the, the level to get to that point. But I think, you know, it's not so underground, I don't even know if it's mainstream, I don't know what to call it, but the, the, the people like myself that are out there brewing the beer, making the whiskeys, making these homebrew stuff. There's a lot of people out there doing it, and which is really great because it gives a whole different flair and different flavor and different ideas and different mixes into it that, you know nobody would have thought of you know who would have thought of put jalapenos in beer so, i mean they're doing it now and there's so many different ways of of making beer and making flavors that people are trying out there and i'm really excited to see what's going to happen with it
0: yeah no that's i mean that's amazing it's just for people like me who don't want to use their time to brew the beer it would be awesome if I could just go on that Facebook group. Yeah, and like, yeah. I, I want to try. Hey, that. can I, I buy tr- one I beer yeah. off of you? <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I, I think if you if you were to say, "Hey, I'd really like to try that," I'm sure you could get yeah. a
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure <laughs> you could get it. You know, even with elk meat or whatever. You know, go right. on the group. And, <laughs> but uh, there's always that risk. It's, yeah.
1: It really is, it really especially is. with alcohol. <laughs> I mean, especially with alcohol. You don't know what you're gonna get sometimes, right? <laughs>
0: well, yeah, and they might crack down on you, yeah, like bootlegging, bringing it from right. state to state,
1: right? And that's that's the problem,
0: especially here in Utah. <sighs> yeah. Well, that was a. I, I had a lot of fun. I it enjoyed was... the beer. was
1: good i I had a lot of fun kind of chatting with you and kind of debuting a couple of uh really good beers we just pulled off the 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 brewery so hopefully you enjoyed them
0: and you know oh man yeah no it's probably the best beer i've tasted in a while yeah i'm glad you enjoyed um thanks for having me yeah no and you got to come back on next holiday beer you make i'll I'll make a couple of good ones i'll let you know i bet you will (laughs) thank you guys for listening do you have any do you want uh, anybody to follow anything you're doing or uh, no no I'm pretty simple guy so I don't have anything okay <laughs> go uh, follow him up on the group you'll find him there all right thanks guys take it easy